0: It was the saddest day ever. All of us, immediate, extended, twice and thrice removed family, we had packed out the First United Methodist Church of Hartsville, Tennessee, in addition to about half of Trousdale County. We were there to celebrate the life of my grandfather, Dr. Edgar Keene Bratton, who died in his 60s, my mom's father, after the service, all the family went back to the house on a hill, and we, do what we did what you do on a day like that. We just ate the comfort foods that my grandfather and all of us loved, and so we had the celery stuffed with homemade pimento cheese and country ham and biscuits, huge relish tray and turkey, and of course, in our family, homemade blackberry cobbler, and we all just ate and ate our family favorites just longing for reprieve from this heaviness of grief. He was too young. He had too much life left to live. He was still operating as a surgeon. We somehow thought that filling up our bellies would somehow like, fill up that hole that we all felt before us and there was this palpable gloom across the entire house. And my poor grandmother, she was so weary. Some of us come into Advent like that. How are we supposed to rejoice in the midst of the heaviness and grief Longing for reprieve, we realize that last week when we filled up our bellies with really yummy Thanksgiving food, it didn't fill the hole in our hearts. We are weary, our world is weary of fighting, of waiting, of conflict, of violence, of continual bad news. And then we walk into HEB and we hear, have a holly jolly Christmas. Or maybe you came in today and, and you heard the choir, you heard the choir sing, the King of Kings is drawing near, the Savior of the world is here. What? How does a weary world rejoice? What does it look like for us as followers of Jesus to hold both the heaviness of our world, but also the joy and hope of Advent as awful and traumatic? As the times are today, the real people in Scripture that we get the privilege of hearing their stories in Advent, these people, they found themselves right smack in the middle of times that were just as awful, just as scary, with just as much bad news. And it is into these exact moments that God came into the world with a new word, a word of hope and joy and peace and love. So we begin our advent journey with someone who was quite weary. Weary in his old age and it is the priest Zechariah. Listen now to the word of our Lord from the Gospel of Luke. Since many have taken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the the world, I too decided as one having a grasp of everything from the start to write a well-ordered account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may have a firm grasp of the words in which you have been instructed. In the days of King Herod of Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when Zechariah was serving as priest before God during his section's turn of duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense. Now, at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to Zechariah an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zachariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I know that this will happen? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary, and he kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he returned to his home. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. There are so many details that Dr. Luke does not want us to miss. Zechariah had a particular vocation. He was a priest, something you had to have been born into, a sacred vocation, special. And then Elizabeth, she had status as well. We are told she came from the descendants of Aaron. Through Aaron, every priest throughout Israel came. She was special, set apart. And then he says they were righteous before God. They obeyed everything. They were rule followers. They did all the right things. They were that couple that everybody in the neighborhood would say, oh, they're the salt of the earth, they're so kind and generous, we should have them over for Thanksgiving. And of course, the big but. In Greek, it is the word chi. As holy and remarkable and built up and esteemed and set apart and sacred as Zachariah and Elizabeth It was to them that we get the, but they had no children. And they were getting on in years. Gosh, we need these details. Have we not found ourselves saying over and over, but they were the best parents. But he was such a good kid. Not that family, that family's already had too much to go through. Yes, we need these details. We need these details so that we know that our blamelessness, our righteousness, our good deeds, perfect living, they do not provide us a get out of trials free card in life. We need these details so that we know that God's concern and love for each of us it cannot be measured by how well life is going or not going. We need these details so that we can connect with every one of these Advent characters. And we can saddle up right next to Zachariah, defeated, weary, barren, as he walks into the temple that morning. And then when the angel speaks to Zachariah and surprises him with the news, you and your wife, No matter how tired, how old, how many times you have prayed the same prayer over and over and over, you are going to have a baby. And in that moment, where there should have been abundant joy and abundant hope, Zachariah finds himself unable. He he finds himself questioning. He does what any of us would have done in that moment, He takes that hope that is offered to him by the angel and he holds it out here at a distance. How can he accept this this amazing news with the weariness that he and his wife hold? And so then he says to the angel, how, how can I know, how can I really know that this will happen? Zechariah questions how to hold this emotion of great weariness and hope at the same time. Amazing joy and yet amazing disappointment. This is what we we tend to do is we think they can't exist at the same time and so we rob ourselves of accepting the gifts of God because we think that they are exclusive of the painful ones. God created us with the ability to hold weariness and joy, disappointment and hope. They do not cancel one another out. I want you to consider God himself searing down at the cross, the pain that God was experiencing in that, and at the same exact time, oh my gosh, the love and the joy and the hope that this would bring about the salvation of the world. A friend of our families, and I know some of you all, Cooper Sayer, was in a single car accident two weeks ago. He's 20 years old, and he continues to battle for his life at St. David's South. Every single time I open up my emails with a new carrying bridge report, I find myself doing that. And then this last Sunday, this is what his father wrote. There is no easy way to describe today. Medically, Cooper, accomplished today's goals, and so it was a success. We see a few small positive signs, things working the way they are designed to, and at the same time, today was emotionally exhausting. We are desperate for Cooper to be healed by God. We have prayed for the same things over and over and over. we listen to worship music, and it is beautiful and bitter, both. We see the words in scripture, read them over and over, and yet we struggle to truly feel those truths deeply sometimes. It's a big, messy dichotomy, joy and pain, belief and uncertainty, healing and brokenness. We don't understand it. Maybe God does. Actually, we know he does. I'm so glad that we have Zachariah's story exactly as it is. It shows us how human it is to struggle, to hold hope in one hand and in the other hand hold such grief and weariness. On that sad day, 20 years ago, when we were all gathered in my grandparents' house up on the hill, trying to eat our way out of our grief, one of the grandchildren, probably my cousin Gus, said, who's up for a game of Canasta? And all the grandchildren were like, me, 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 me. Before we knew it, we had split up into different tables where we would play. And then from one of the tables, I just know it wasn't mine, someone laughed. And everybody went, are we allowed to do that? We were so afraid we were going to get in trouble. Who is this going to upset? Are we allowed to feel joy in the midst of this this grief and then our generation. We looked up at our parents, at our aunts and uncles, and then graciously and without any words, they gave us permission. We didn't know then what they were teaching us. We were just glad we didn't get in trouble. But now we see it so much more clearly. When we are in pain, When we grieve, when we do not know what to do, hope, joy, peace, and love, oh, those feelings and emotions and realities, they can saddle up right there with that grief. The good emotions do not kick out the scary ones, and the scary and heavy ones do not, must not kick out the good ones. With God's help, we can hold our weariness and our joy at the same time exact time. May it be so in my life and in yours.